In the heart of the state of the art, at the dawn of the next stage in entertainment, you found no proscenium. indeed found no proscenium the voice of everything immersive i'm your host noah nelson and welcome to episode 404 this week mike michaels of austin's eureka room talks to us about making a room in his house as bright as the sun roadside attractions and austin's immersive scene we have a lot of fun before we jump in, allow me to direct your attention to the show notes, where you'll find links to what we've been up to at NoPro this week, including our latest Immersive 5 interview, this time with Janine Willett of Third Rail Projects to mark Third Rail's latest collaboration with Albany Park Theater Project in Chicago, the celebrated Port of Entry, which Patrick wrote about last week. The review rundown this week features takes on installation pieces in Montreal and two reviews out of SIGGRAPH's VR Theater. Meanwhile, on LinkedIn... Wait, what? That can't be... Oh, oh yeah, I did do that. Meanwhile, on LinkedIn and on Everything Immersive, you'll find the return of Everything Immersive this week. Our roundup of news, hot ticket drops, opinion pieces, and more ready to be read and shared on your platform of choice. This week, the Washington Post asks if American theater as we know it should die, a New York City indie immersive space throws in the towel, and London's Phantom Peak eyes a westward expansion, and more. All this, plus this month's call sheet keeps growing. There's like 16 listings in that sucker now, including submission deadlines for IndieCade's returning night games program in LA and the Peabody Awards. This week, No Pro has been brought to you in part by Sea Tickets, sponsor of this year's Next Stage Immersive Summit, Making an Impact Pillar. Sea Tickets has proudly supported thousands of clients across the globe in areas as diverse as historic attractions like Stonehenge, immersive theater like the Burnt City, and important cultural touchstones like LA Pride. Thanks again to Sea Tickets for helping us with the big swing of the Next Stage this year. Of course, None of this, and I mean none of this, is possible without our Patreon backers. And the churn, it's real. To keep NoPro growing, we've got to expand the subscriber base. That's just fact. Right now, we're on a campaign to get our backers up to 450, and we still need six new backers to hit our next milestone of 425. If you rely on what we do, please hit up patreon.com slash no proscenium. It not only powers the podcast and websites for no pro and everything immersive, it also gets you into our member only discord. You'll find a whole community of creators and fans there. The news breaks first there. So much of what we do is roundups of what's going on in the discord these days. Backers can link their Patreon accounts to get access. If you're already a backer, help us spread the word. So many of you do but a lot of you don't. Or drop a review on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice and share the articles you find useful on your social media platform of choice. It helps immensely. We are always no proscenium, except on Insta and on threads, where we are no underscore proscenium. As always, big thanks to our sustaining backers, Samuel Mustry, Chris Woolman, Samantha Davison, Eric Shamlin, Elaine, Daryl, John Boulette, Cameo Wood, Jay Bushman, Jerome Joseph Gentes, Kurt Collins, Winthorne, Ryan, David Bassick, Richard Ayers, Lonnie Hanson, Lecker Lacool, the Ministry of Peculiarities, and Jan Budman. And as always, we're on the lookout for community partners who are up for working out special deals for our backers. Hit me up at noah at noforsinium.com for details. And with that, let's get into this week's show. Joining us now is Mike Michaels, the founder of Austin's Eureka Room, a 100-square-foot room of absurd and fun participatory activities that's been delighting folks in Austin in one form or another since 2018. Mike, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Noah. I'm so glad to be here. I'm very honored, and uh, I've been very excited about doing this, so thank you. Oh, we had a we had a great 
uh, conversation, uh, I think it's a couple of months ago now, Aaron Riley at University of Texas, Austin, uh, introduced us because you've been pulling the Austin immersive community together. And that's always something that's really of interest to me. Um, and I want to get into that in a bit, but let's start with the Eureka Room. Uh, for those who haven't been, what is it? Yes. Um, well, the Eureka Room is a bit hard to describe, but generally I describe it as the mission first, and that's to help adults feel joy and connection through this charming absurdity that I'm going after. Uh, physically, it's like you said, it's a hundred square foot room. It's got about 30,000 LEDs on the walls behind some opaque uh, plexi. It's got a projection screen uh, and a sound system. Experientially, it's sort of like it's been compared to participating in a Japanese game show or a party game or being in a meme. Uh, and it consists of different five to 10, 20 minute programs of human interaction. Sometimes there's props uh, and it lasts about an hour. What got you making this in the first place? Because the original iteration was at your house and then, and then you've moved it elsewhere. Like why, why did you want to build this thing? And, and that yeah. sounds like so many lights and projections and like <laughs> a lot of technology going into a little room. Yeah. So it's, so I have always loved roadside attractions and unique experiences. Mm. I worked in a, an amusement park in high school and some of college. It's just kind of been my thing. Uh, I had a, a company in Austin that showed, it was like an event guide company shows you when events and attractions happen in Austin. I've done that for years. Uh, so I've had, always had an interest in attractions, had a bunch of ideas I've played with over the years. Um, and then I kind of just decided I want to do my own more permanent thing instead of one-off events. And the Eureka Room was maybe born about 11 years ago. And it was it was put on the shelf a bunch because I couldn't quite get it to work. But then in 2018, I really uh, decided to go for it more. And I hired an engineer to help me sort of uh, develop it. And uh, it was originally just supposed to be a projection screen with some ambient lighting. And then we got... Uh, ambitious i guess and we ordered <laughs> we ordered a bunch of leds and then when we when they showed up they were actually double the density which we thought they were going to be so we went from ten thousand leds like 20 and then when i moved to this newer space out of my house last year uh we expanded it 50 percent. so now it's like 30 or 40 i don't it's it's a lot uh it's like as bright as the sun if you turn it all the way up um oh and uh, i just love this kind of weird interactions and uh it was a nice platform to uh, be able to create, have different experiences that may just be five minutes or 10 minutes, or 20 minutes and play with them and just see what happens. And a lot of it's evolved um, just through feedback from visitors. I mean, it took many years just to get to where it was good. It was terrible for a very long time, but uh, I, now it's, yeah, it's pretty solid. So I'm, I'm pretty, pretty happy with it. I want to come back to that, that, theme of like it was terrible and now now it's good <laughs> i can talk a lot about that <laughs> in a second oh good good because we're going to but but you mentioned you used a term that that doesn't get mentioned on this show enough by people which is roadside attraction and i'm also uh, guilty yeah. of that i don't talk about roadside attraction too much so like what and i'm not asking you to define i think we all know what a roadside attraction is we've all encountered one um what is it about a roadside attraction though? What's, what's the lure there? What, what would, do you have like an origin story with roadside attractions or was it? Yeah. I just, I love, I mean, the ones I like the best are the ones that were just like one person has this insane passion project that is probably not a good idea in the first place. And then they take it way <laughs> too far. It's just like, I don't know anything about such things. So, <laughs> so I mean, that's, I mean, just to me, it's just like, I don't know. It's something like really just seeing, I don't know, some weird aspect of the human spirit where like somebody's just so obsessed, they do this thing and you go see it and you're just like, wow, they spend so much time on this. And and usually it's amazing because they have spent so much time on it. And, and there's the ones where there's, uh, you know, their businesses trying to pull in customers from the highway, you know, the kind of yeah. more traditional. And those are great too. I mean, just, it's just something unique, you know, and even those, you know, they usually come, I think from the, the owner, you know, somebody's got an idea. You can, it's got a personality. It's, it doesn't have to, doesn't have to exist, but it does. And I think that's just awesome. So, yeah. 
do you have a do you have a particular favorite out there in the world or oh or, man or, i don't or, know or like a trip you took where you're like oh i, I hit like so many of them yeah I, well there's a place i always recommend it's not really a roadside attraction it's like a theme park uh but first i'll say where i grew up i grew up in uh northeast ohio uh near kent kent state mm. and there's a there's a place there called mike's place no relation to me, uh, where they, it's just like this restaurant that just kind of evolved over the years. And it's got like an X-Wing fighter out front it's banquet. It's banquet room. It's like a homemade X-Wing fighter. Of course it's got, Still. It's got a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's got a original ones were homemade, just very small scale, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The, the banquet room is this castle. There's a catapult on the roof. There's a bus inside. Like every, every single thing on the menu has like at least 20 strips of bacon. It's just like the place is just, like clearly we, like it's it's funny when you mentioned like x-wing castle catapult bus my brain actually went to Fortnite, the video game that's like the the monty hall <laughs> yeah. style like every single ip in there and i'm like yeah, yeah this sounds like a Fortnite map as a restaurant except clearly it's like 40 years old or something like that. yeah yeah it's been around for a while yeah and uh actually one of my good uh high school friends who i worked with at the amusement park works there and has worked there since. And uh, yeah, the place is just, uh, it just has so much personality. You can tell like the owner was just like, I'm gonna do what I wanna do and this is it. And you know, pe people respond to it, uh, you know, enough people uh, yeah. keeping keep business for that many years. The other place I wanna mention, and this place I, is like great. I can't even, it's a theme park. It's in Japan, it's called Huisten Bosch. Everyone should go there if they can. It's, um, it's, it, I first heard about it in Wired magazine uh, years ago. There's an article about a hotel run by robots, and uh, so down towards the end of the article, they mentioned it was part of a theme park. And I was like, "What's that?" And I so I looked that up, and there's this theme park that was built, I think, in the '90s, and it was it's themed like Holland because the the Japanese <laughs> have the history with uh, Dutch. Yeah, and and there's like real brick buildings and canals and uh, windmills and tulips and it's it was all there and robots <laughs> because japan <laughs> <laughs> well, so yeah so it had it was like more like just just like how, how do you spell Holland. this how do you spell H this yes yes h-u-i-s that's one word h-u-i-s and the next word is t-e-n like the, uh -huh. number 10 and uh -huh. bosch i think it's b-o-s-c-h okay i gotta look and this up it is great and that's the name i think of the palace uh a palace in holland so anyhow, this place goes out of business in the early 2000s, around 2008 recession, oh. and somebody decides to, to buy it or some company decides to buy it and make it a high tech theme park. So that's when the robots came in, but they didn't change it from being Holland. So they just took the tulips and covered them in LEDs. They took the, the windmills and they're colored, covered in LEDs. The canals have LEDs in them. It, like there's still oh all this God. like attractions. There's, it's just the most bizarre place. Uh, and it's it's not the easiest to get to. I mean, it's not like it's anywhere near Tokyo. It, you got to kind of dedicate a couple of days if you're gonna get down there and do it. Yeah, it's in like, Sasebo it, uh, yeah. in Nagasaki, right? Yeah, I think I think it's. Yeah, yeah I'm, so, I'm looking it up on Wikipedia. Okay, like, yeah, you're describing Fukushima this, and I'm like, oh, this yeah. sounds fascinating. And there, yeah, I the guess because I saw a picture of like all the LEDs, like it lit up at night. Like, it is insane, and this is probably before like LEDs were that cheap. They've, they've been, uh, yeah, it's just. There's so many bizarre things about that place. Like they have a track, they don't really rides, but they have these attractions that are just, uh, I, I, it's hard to explain. I could talk to you, take up the whole podcast talking about them, but go to the website. It's great. Um, I'll put this in the show notes, everybody. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah. all the, all the themed entertainment people right now are rolling their eyes. Like, I can't believe Noah didn't know about who and Bosch. And it's <laughs> yeah, like, oh, well, guess what? <laughs> you know, none of you bring it up on the regular. Yeah. So maybe look to yourself. You're the problem. No. Oh, this is gorgeous. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah, this is really this it's is special. Wild. It's special, yeah. And yeah, like like they recreate like the Dutch Canal like neighborhood action. So yeah. like it's just like those row houses next to a canal, which is already wowzers. Yeah. And it's not a facade. It's real. I mean, people live there uh, in parts of the park. Like it's a it's bricks. It's not just like a fake front. Oh wow. And yeah. So it's really that's wild. It's really fascinating place. Yeah, and just um. Yeah. Don't know why I have not seen more about it. Um, Sky Carousel. They've got a triple decker carousel. Yeah. This yeah, is, they have, this they, is incredible. 
Yeah, they have like they had this. I think it was five D or seven D uh, ride. They have all the and, Ds. Yeah, but it was like D for like delightful and delirious. <laughs> like it was just like it's just like it's just so the, the whole dimension thing. Space, also the makes one, it interesting. The time and then three extra dimensions of delight and delirium. <laughs> yeah, wait, no, that's the endless. So. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And yes, I know delight and delirium, guys. I know. All right. So, um, sorry. <laughs> I'm doing footnotes live on the show now. The show is entering into its final form now we've crossed the 400th episode barrier. Yeah. Congrats um, on that, by the way. That's amazing. Oh, that is amazing. That's just, you know, somewhere around, I think, episode 40, like, I was just like, well, I guess it'll take more energy to quit now than to just not just keep <laughs> doing it. And then cut to, you know, seven years later it's still going on um wow. part of me wonders if like the goal should be like let's wrap it at 500 you know it's like gives us two more years and then no, and then no, like no. well no we'd obviously <laughs> go do something else like wouldn't it be the end it would just be like you know full functional reboot but this don't worry everybody this is just this is the idlest of idle thoughts um but you never can tell um so one supposes that the Eureka Room started as the idolist of idle thoughts and then kept being intrusive and then became a thing. And then you said it was bad and now it is good. So uh, to talk talk to us about the your arc there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't sure what it was going to be. I kind of had a vague idea of what I wanted it to be, but I wasn't sure. And What was that vague idea? What was, the what big was, that idea sense? was a room with like a projection screen and activities for people to do. Uh, and it would be, had this feeling of surrealness and, uh, and fun and joy and playfulness and, uh, and for grownups. I mean, one of the big mm. things with the Eureka room is, um, I, I kind of want to help dispel the idea that all strangers are dangers. Uh, all of our groups are mixed groups unless you buy all the tickets. And I think it's really great and to, uh, or really needed to um, help bring people together because so much stuff is done from home and everything can be done from home. And so that wasn't maybe my clearest thought at the beginning, but that's kind of, I think it's been there all along to, to help bring people together and have them connect like that. And uh so, but the first version was me hanging a whole bunch of black plastic in my on my walls and it looked really creepy and a friend came over and looked at it and then looked at me and said are you gonna murder me and it was just like this like terrible terrible but I, I, in los angeles it would have been a hit uh, <laughs> you know timing and placement is everything yeah i uh uh, so I, I just could, and then the projector was interior and it was lighting up the room and it's just, I couldn't quite figure out how to work, work it. And then, uh, then I got, I just, it was one of those ideas that just wouldn't go away. So like a few years right. later, I'm still thinking about it. So I'm like, okay, let me try it again. And it was kind of at that point going to be this mindful attainment idea I had where I do a lot of meditation and mindfulness stuff. And I was like, well, what if we made this more accessible? What if we had this be? Um, more fun, you know, Yeah. and which you know, it turned out to be a pretty unholy marriage. Uh, <laughs> but I love, but that was, yeah. I love that you said it and put it that way. Yes. Yes. It's true. <laughs> it was, it's true. It's true. It, it was. Yeah. So, but I was still going down that path. And then I, like I said, I bet the engineer, I was just going to have ambient lights. All of a sudden we had this huge room, it was a full structure. Uh, I made, there was a, there's an art studio tour in Austin called the East Austin studio tour in the fall. I was like, I'm going to be part of that. I made the, made a couple programs. One was like this kind of uh, starts off kind of like a meditation. And then, then there's this bird that's a terrible sketch of a bird. And then all of a sudden you're high-fiving a lot. Like it's, it's really, it's hard to explain unless you do it. Um, and maybe not even then is it easy to explain. But yeah, uh, I, get, I, get, I get the meditation to the bird. And then, but then the high fiving, I'm like, okay, I don't know where the high fiving is coming from, but that's yeah, okay. That's okay. That's okay. Next, whenever you're in town, I, I take me through the original. Be, can yeah. you, can you still do the old, the old routine? Oh, that one is positive? still, that one's still there. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, but after that, I made the mindful tainment stuff more in earnest and that was too serious. And people came and they, the people who wanted something serious were like, why is it so weird? And the people who wanted weird, like, why is it so serious? And it was just 
I, it was just a total bomb. So I was discouraged about that. And I eventually just, some people were like, Mike, you're just better at making the weird stuff. So just make the weird stuff. And I enjoy that more. So I went that direction, um, developed some other programs in that vein. And uh, that's really been it. It's just kind of this weird, surreal, absurd stuff. Um, and I'm sorry, I keep using the same words. It's hard to describe. Uh, no, I'm, well, that's that's why, I mean, look, weird also has like dimensions, right? So like there's there's weird and then there's weird and then there's the Y, the YRD spelling of weird. And yeah. like, but but there's, and there are ways in which, you know, it, it connects to the mindfulness, you know, element, right? You know, there's, there's something about, um, it's like ecstatic states are a thing, right? And, and meditation is a path to uh, an ecstatic state, you know, ecstasis, putting yourself out of your normal frame of mind, uh, dancing, you know, ecstatic dancing, or like, tripping out on visuals or, you know, or all the other things that people do to like put their, their normal frame of mind, uh, into a different state of being. And weird is a big path for that, right? Mm -hmm. Weird invites you to, to walk around outside you know, the normal confines of, of your usual thinking. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I think the weird and the playfulness, I mean, my, my brand is more, g-rated you know it's i mean like i said it's for adults but it's there's not it's just more of a bizarre weird thing and like one of my i think to your point one of my favorite test video testimonials i got from customers is i had no idea what was going on but i had a lot of fun and it's kind of like okay you know you're just in this other state where you know part of a big part of my job is how do i take people from just showing up to getting their buy-in to where they're willing to do you know, high fives and think they're a bird, uh, you know, <laughs> so it's, uh, that's a lot of the, the, the work and thought I've, I've put into it and is to get into that state where it feels just, uh, you know, they're peeking out at that. This, this series. is reminding me, I'm getting, I'm getting, it was, there, it was a non-tech version of this, but there was, uh, and we had her on the show, um, Olivia Hamilton, I believe is her name. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm going from memory, uh, and uh, she's a she's a performer, and I think a choreographer as well is is part of her her, her deal. And she was running an event in LA called Play, uh, and it would just be this like um, a chance for people to just come and play. And I went once, and it was it was in some ways like the most absurd uh, possible experience because. Uh, and now, and here we go with the LA story, everybody. Sorry. Um, so I went to play and of course her, her partner is, uh, Damien Chazelle, uh, the filmmaker. So the, his last movie was like the Babylon movie, but like he's known best for La La Land, right? He's the La La Land guy, like the, the whiplash guy. Um, and he was there, but also was like, but also there was like Toby Maguire, who's like in their friend circle was there. And like, we were mostly all silent and like, we were playing charades. And at one point I'm sitting there going like, oh, I'm playing charades with Spider-Man. This is such a weird, <laughs> only in LA thing. But we were also yeah. like, we were just there being, you know, mm -hmm. kids with each other. And this, this kind of the permission to step out of our adult personas and get back not, not even to, not to our high school personas, not to our junior high, not even to our, you know, elementary, like to our kindergarten personas and just, and there's a gentleness to that, right? Like let go of, you know, the cool forms you have had to endure or taken on and get back to just pure play, uh, something mm -hmm. on the level of innocence. And yeah, like that. Uh, the the tone sits with me, even if the specifics other than like the, the charades bit, like, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and going down a slide, like those, those two things are the things that like, you know, like stick with me in terms of what we actually did. But there's just this kind of color, if you will, like in my mental cloud that is related to that experience. And I'm like, yeah, like that spirit of play. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I, it's weird, like in the, in the marketing, I don't use the word play a lot. Mm. And because I mean, it's basically, I'm creating this place for adults to play, but if you have 
a business advertises adult play, mm-hmm. you know, it has all these other connotations, exactly. right? Exactly. And so, yeah. but it's, it's kind of, it's a shame that like, there's, there's not, and it's a lot of times it is associated with, uh, you know, being a kid again, I hear a lot, you know, felt like a kid again, but I'm always like, I wonder, you know, why, why isn't there just like a solid, like there is an adult version of play and we don't have to say, you know, it, it can, it can stand on its own as, you know, this is what it feels like as an adult to play. And what I'm doing, what I'm trying to do is this kind of semi unstructured play. And we obviously have, you know, sports and things like that, yeah. but having this sort of unstructured play for adults is, is, is I think rarer, but like a lot of people really, really enjoy it. Uh, I mean, it's a risk. It's an ask, right? You're, you're yeah. like going to play. There's no structure. Who knows what's going to happen? There's no know, winners. There's no score. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, but yeah, I, when people who are looking for it show up and they, they get to do those sorts of things at the Eureka room, it's like, they just, I, I they just love it. I mean, I don't want to pat myself on the back and everybody loves it, but like, I feel like, okay, that's what I'm going for. And when I hit that and it lights people up, that's, I love that. That's just fantastic. So Aaron connected us uh, because you've been connecting people in Austin and, and doing, doing meetups there. And yeah. I mean, one, I, I want to do on the show uh, because of that great conversation we had, but also like make people aware that if they're in Austin or around Austin, that like you're doing that, that work, that kind of work that, we're always doing too. And so I wondered if you could talk a little bit about, you know, what the Austin sort of immersive, interactive, creative scene is like, you know, um, label labels aside, sure. we, we, we know that all the different kind of work that goes into these types of experiences. Sure. Uh, I, first of all, I don't see myself as the spokesperson. I will give you my, my thoughts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, well, I've been working on this stuff. I've done some like absurdist dinners. I've done some like uh, decathlons for slackers. I've done events called like, I got a bag of wigs, let's wear them. And it's like <laughs> these sorts of things. And I've just always wanted to, I have some friends in my circle that kind of do these sorts of things that help me out are, are great. Uh, and I always just wanted to find more of those folks. I mean, it's been years and finally last fall, I was like, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to make this group that I've been dreaming of. And so I just started reaching out to people I knew and uh, some people I thought might be interested. And uh, yeah, we've been having monthly meetings for about six, six to eight months now. It's been great. It, the, the idea is to just kind of have a uh, place for people to meet each other, whether they're makers or whether they're, uh, you know, uh, you know, artists, whether they're, you know, theater people, just whatever, you know, under the broad umbrella of immersive or experiences. I call it the IRL Experience Creators Society. So we mainly focus on things that are in real life versus maybe AR and that kind of stuff. But I mean, everyone's welcome if they they have an interest in it. Uh, And I've just been really amazed that like pretty much everybody I mentioned it to has an interest in it. Like it just uh like it, it's resonated and that's been great and people have joined and they're like and it's free to join they just you know they come to yeah. the meetings and they they want to help contribute you know we've we've started um this like doing field trips outside of our monthly meetings we have also uh started sort of a immersive lending library uh because people in this group have all kinds of weird stuff sitting in their house from projects that you know we're purchased once and now like, what am I going to do? Like somebody had like 24 like monk cloaks and, and, and they announced that and like all of a sudden, like five people immediately were like, I want them. You know? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, I'm not really, let me get back to your question though. Uh, so I started this group and yeah, I, I don't feel like it's, it's, it's a huge community, but it's a very friendly one. I mean, there's, uh, you know, we're still trying to identify more people to join the, group. I think there's about 30 people now, maybe get 15, 20 people to show up. Uh, and that's a pretty, that's a pretty good number, right? Like, I mean, I'll tell you, like, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you in LA, like, you know, the, when we would have a meetup or when we do have a meetup, like maybe we'll, we'll 
you know, on a high end, we might get like a hundred people. And like, if we're doing like a crossover with the themed entertainment folks, we might get like 150 people. Like on the, but that's again, like on the high end, if we haven't had one in a long time and everyone decides to show up, but like when we were doing things on the, the, the fairly regular, like, you know, and particularly in the early days, like in the early days, it was like 15, 20 people in my apartment, like while I was cooking brunch. Right. You know, and I think a lot of people like to go back to that, but I don't have a good, I don't have a good kitchen anymore for cooking for lots of people. So sorry, everybody. You wonder why it's not happening that way anymore. Uh, look at my kitchen and you'll know. Um, but um, yeah. 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 I, I mean, I, I would love for it to grow, but I'm, am very happy with where it's at now. Uh, I, uh, I kind of, really we just it's kind of been an experiment i have i've made up this structure where we start off with this part that's called something awesome happens and then and then we have a speaker and then we have this ending where we call big finish uh and there's some announcements in there too but something awesome happens the big finish are just like a minute long i'm always begging for volunteers they can do anything we'll tell you it's awesome uh we'll tell you it's big uh and a lot of times it's it's you know, participatory, somebody to come up with something. It's like a minute long. You can have a little bit more time. It can be total crap. Uh, and, uh, uh, but it, people come up with the, some really cool stuff. And I think it really has helped the meetings. Uh, like, because I didn't want to just have a, a meeting, like, okay, here's a meeting. We have a speaker. I wanted it to be special. And also like, we're experienced creators. Let's, let's do something right now. Let's, let's yeah. make it, you know, and, and I think that's really helped keep people coming back. Uh, because it's like, oh, this is special. At least I hope they think it's special. I, I think it's special. I'm very grateful for the people who show up uh, and help out. Well, ha having moments like that, like, you know, things then reflect like the nature of the, the work, right? You know, like that's, mm -hmm. that I think is a, a critical element. And you can, as someone who like organizes like you know, some of the, you know, summits and whatnot, like, there's always that tension between trying to like get down to the business of it all trying to like make sure everyone's connected, giving people things that are familiar, but also trying to get, get the special material in, you know, get, get the stuff that's, that's kind of fun and funky. And in, in any given year, you find yourself with like, you know, a different, a different mix of that. And like some years you nail it and some years you don't. And, but you're, you're constantly, and you're always like running up against just like how much space and time do you have? Um, which is, which is why like a more regular format, like, I think it's, you know, no shock to anyone to say like, you know, we're, we're, we're looking again, like, okay, can we get back to quarterly in Los Angeles, you know, like get back to like quarterly or something in New York is that a conversation with the New York team. And like, there, there's actually a couple of different ideas that are, that are percolating right now, like that may lead to like even more than quarterly. Um, Cause the, the flip side to it is always, and then everyone's got like, you know, projects of their own, you know, <laughs> yes, like, and you yes. don't, you don't, you don't want it to just become like, oh, we're all get like all the energy goes into like, we're doing meetings, right? You know, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, we want to, we want to get everyone kind of like jazzed up, you know, give, give an excuse to like get everyone together. Um, but like, yeah. what, what are, what are some of the, I mean, for, for the folks whose work is like out there and you could talk about like, sure. What what are what are like some of the things going on in Austin? You know that that members of your community are doing. Yeah. Um, well, let's see. I'll talk a little bit about the uh, maybe the pe people who've spoken uh, last yeah. time. Last time uh, we had my friend Wendy Mitchell. She runs this thing called the Stuffed Animal Rescue Foundation. She's been doing that for ten years. Uh, it's hard to explain. Basically, she she saves these stuffed animals from. Uh, wherever you know maybe goodwill maybe on the street she cleans them up she writes she's a writer she so she writes all these backstories for them and then there's this extensive application if you want to adopt these uh stuffed animals uh that you can fill out and it is extensive and people put a lot into it um and uh and she has a about a couple years ago she set up a brick and mortar in austin and she's open 12 to four on Saturdays. It's free. If you're in Austin, you should check it out. Um, she also does stuffed animal repairs and some other stuff, but when she does repairs, it's a whole experience because she does this whole telemedicine appointment. So you, you know, she gets online and then like people are like, Oh, the dog did this. You know, it's, I think the dogs are keeping her in business. Uh, but the dog, you know, <laughs> and, and then, and then she writes up this long, you know, medical, you know, pseudo medical thing using lots of medical terms about what she's going to do. And, 
uh, sometimes they, there's like spa days you can hire her. And so it's a really <laughs> unique thing. And she's like all in on this and it's just, uh, it's, it's super cool. Uh, uh, so that's one thing. Um, uh, before her, we had Ann Armstrong, another friend of mine. She does this thing called the Auditory Society, which is a, it's, it's, how it basically it's people she wants to people to take in the natural environment in the urban urban world hmm. and so she finds she's found these strange looking trees that might look like something might look like a face or a arm or something like that and she's got this beautiful map that she's made and she's got an instagram account where she posts pictures of these weird trees and she'll do you know meetups where people go around and look at the trees and it's just a really fascinating um, experience. Like she, she has a very unique take on, on these things, and it, and so um, that's something really cool. that's going on. Uh, we had Erin, who you, you mentioned, talk about all the cool stuff that that her program is doing. Uh, they, they put on. I don't know if it's every semester or every other semester. They have a, a maybe every year they have a, a big project with the students, and you know she's talked about that. Uh, we've got folks who, who do Halloween parties, haunted houses, escape games. Um, some of these folks are more, it's like a business. Other folks, it's more of a hobby. You know, we're open to all, uh, you know, there's all, all different levels of people. There's, there's people who are artists. Um, there's, uh, 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 Liza Fishbone does this thing where she, she, you know, the, person dress up as pigeons and they they deliver messages to people at parties there's uh there's I, I, yeah it's i would there's not maybe there's definitely not you know the sort of large scale things that you would see in you know la or new york or in places like that but there's a lot of people working on individual projects and smaller stuff that's really cool and, and which is part of the reason i wanted to do this group to, to yeah. kind of get them together and you know hopefully let, let them grow it you know give them more of the resources they need uh whether it's people or connections or, or you know space space is always a big one yeah um, yeah so yeah. well and, and like a lot of the stuff you know when when a when an immersive scene is starting out like it does start small you know and and because of the part of the nature of the work is like you know kind of like small connections or like small group experiences or one-on-one uh you know experiences and that sort of thing can balloon or just becomes like, you know, kind of a, a lingua franca, you know, and like gets more people wanting to make more stuff of that nature. Mm -hmm. Right. Like uh, the, the business entertainment business as a whole is always obsessed with like, does it scale? How many, how many thousands of people can we push through? And there's, there's a, there's a heart of this work that is really about, you know, the human to human connection, right? Mm -hmm. Like the, the, the one-to-one -one that can't scale. And maybe shouldn't scale in the sense of like, well, I can't clone, you know, this performer and let the whole world have that experience of the performer, but we can take the methodology. We can, we can, we can take the kind of experience that's happening and we can teach more people to do it. And that's how we scale it out is like, now everyone's playing this way, you know, like it's not just one group of people playing this way. It's, it's like a folk game. It, it travels from person to group to group. Yeah, yeah. I think there's there's a lot of um, a lot of things that can be learned just from bringing people together and you know sharing the enthusiasm and sharing ideas and just watching things grow individually, even if it's at a smaller scale. Um, uh, I had a thought. Um, I lost it. Anyhow, sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, sorry. My fault. My fault. No, 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 no. Um, but uh, oh, I know what it was. I would like to say, you know, if anyone's in Austin listening to this and they're like, "Why haven't you invited me to your group, Mike?" Please come to the group. Uh, <laughs> there'll be I, I, I'm, and you're if you're like, "Oh my gosh, we have a really cool immersive thing." I. It's very possible I have missed it. So I'm, I did not mean to say that we have a small community. We may have awesome things out there. I would love to connect with you. Please reach out to me. We're to this day and, and, and it's different scale cities and whatnot, but like a city's a city, 
right? To this day, we're still discovering stuff in Los Angeles, right? You know, um, we're we're still stumbling upon things. There's still people popping up, oftentimes thinking like, oh, I've made this and I'm the only person making this kind of work. And it's like, oh. then we find them. We're like, oh, wow, you're, you're doing this thing over here like this person. Like, no, not like this person. It's like, oh, yeah, I know, like this person, you know, like sometimes they're defensive. And sometimes they're like elated to find like, oh, my God, there's a whole there really is a community here. I could, I could connect in. It's, it, it has the the nature of sort of a indie band scene that way. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are, some people are like, Oh no, we invented industrial. And it's like, <laughs> Oh no man, skinny puppy was around, you know, like, or, you know, like you, you never heard of throbbing gristle. That's funny. This album sounds like a ripoff. So um, <laughs> like things of that nature. Right. Um Noah shows his yeah. musical tastes. Um, <laughs> actually, I, I, irony, like, yeah, I'm, I'm more mainstream with my industrial than that. But that's anyway. Um, <laughs> sorry, the coffee's now hitting in. Now the brain's doing like the, again, footnotes live. Um, speaking of Austin, um, which we've been doing this entire time from a certain point of view, there is a big cultural thing that happens every year in Austin. Uh, namely South by Southwest. Well, there's other cultural things happen in Austin, but there's there's a time when like, you know, the the eye of the nation, uh, particularly the internet nation, falls upon the city. And that is March when the music festival's going on and the tech and everything. How how does, if it does at all, how does that event um, intersect with the Austin, you know, creative scene uh, for this kind of experimental, experiential, or or is it been a disconnect so far? Um, I can only share my experience. I, I mean, yeah. I love South by. I mean, it's great. I used to volunteer for years. I know people who work there. It's uh, you know, it's it's such an awesome event. Uh, obviously, it's evolved over the the years. Um, I I think there's so much going on. I think it, it's hard to be heard, and that's regardless of whether you're coming in from out of town or whether you're already here. Mm. I see a lot of folks come to town, like, you know, and spend a lot of money, but they can't compete with Microsoft or Google, you know, they they just, they're buying up entire neighborhoods to throw a party. Um, So uh, for me, yeah, I, I didn't really see much of a bump. In fact, it was kind of slow for for us and we're pretty much downtown. Uh, You know, I think there's probably things like, could have tried to get a little more attention. Um, but I think there's just so many things vying for attention. You know, there's so many free events there's so much free food, alcohol out there. If you, you know, if you've got the badges and, uh, so, uh, which I think is great. You know, I went to some of that stuff as well. Um, but I would love to see more connection between those South by and then like the maker, communities and things like that. I mean, that may just not be their jam that they're looking for, you know, uh, but I think there's a lot of intersection, you know, we've got, I mean, the Eureka Room is music, film, and interactive. I mean, that we are the, the, the three thing, the three prongs of South by in a lot of ways. So uh, I do think there's, there's lots of opportunities there, but, uh, you know. Well, and there's also, I mean, when some of those big companies come in, like buy up a neighborhood or they, they'll, they'll do like a large activation and, they're they're often leaning on you know they'll 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 be bringing in like a lot of talent from outside you know the the in the austin area uh they'll also be hiring local performers and and hiring local folks Mm -hmm. and it's i gotta imagine over the long arc of this there 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 can be or, or could be kind of more interchange i mean austin's had a video game scene like really strongly yeah. like for i mean one of the seminal ones right like you know richard garriott origin yes, yes, um you know, lord, lord british um <laughs> and there was i know when i came through we talked about this when we, when we talked you know years ago i've been to south by once and i was doing um i was doing a a piece for npr on like uh indie games and and south by southwest and i was i was there you know, to like do some coverage of South by, but the feature I was working on was, um, what was it? 
Huegos Rancheros, I think was it was called. I can't remember. But it was uh, uh, Huegos Rancheros. Huego. Yeah, Huegos Rancheros. Yeah. James like, Rancheros. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of uh, Huevos. It's, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, like, yeah, yeah. I know. Oh, it's, it's, boy, uh, it's been it's been long enough, right? I'm sitting there going like, oh, I remember it was like, and like the images of the people are in my head, and like being like you know a little. It was, I think it was like a nightclub or something like that, like somewhere outside of like the South by, you know, area, uh, like a couple of nights before things kicked off. And, but it was like, you know, this gathering that was happening on the regular in, in the Austin game scene that I knew about because it had become influential on the indie game scene. Like it became sort of like the heart of the indie game scene in the country in, in a real way. And, um, the way the way that artistic community, um, you know, discovered itself, self-organized, and was also interacting with South by for a, for a while there. I think there still is a game component, but for for a hot minute, like it started to rise, and it was going to be like the fourth pillar uh, for for a hot minute. But then, but then I think the pandemic sort of scuttled scuttled that. Um, but there was there's still such energy there um and and that industry is so vibrant still around austin and in texas as a whole uh and and the the game industry and the the live immersive industry like the when those two can meet it's it's where some alchemy really happens Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of a lot of what they've learned over the years, you know, and develop totally apply to immersive things, immersive experiences. You know, there's there's so many principles that have been fleshed out that you, that you know I've stolen from whether it's like creating video game music, you know, or whether it's you know just different aspects and mechanics of games. You know, I'm reading those books and I'm pulling them into the Eureka Room experiences. I mean, I I steal liberally, liberally, liberally from uh from the you know video games and I, I don't even i like games i don't play them a lot but you know i during the pandemic i sat down it's like wow look at all these crazy games out there now that just have just some really awesome concepts and yeah to bring some of those into the irl irl space you know uh yeah that'd be great i, I would love Yes, if you're into video games and you are listening to this podcast and you live in Austin, please <laughs> me if you want to come to our meetings. Yeah. Well, and I, I, yeah, there's a few. Actually, I used to know more people there on, on that than I think there's still a few folks around. And so it's like, oh, I should go talk to him. I was like, oh, no, he's in birthday now. Uh, so, yeah, I would have, I would have, uh, Zeb's not listening. Uh, and, he, and like I said, he's in Oakland now. But like, you know, if he wasn't, uh, if by some chance, Zeb, uh, hit me up. Um, <laughs> Or if you know Zeb and, and you live in Austin. Yeah, Austin, yeah. Be, if you know uh, Zeb. You know, uh, or if you know – well, that's thing, that, actually one of the great things is like they, they don't have to live in Austin or to know the people in Austin to like you know do the thing. Like that was the one of the – when we I, – I don't talk about this that often anymore. But like half the reason, not all, but half the reason we made the New York newsletter back when we had the, the different newsletters – which I'm sure some people wish I would go back to doing different newsletters, but it's like, I am just one person. I'm the only one doing the newsletters anymore. We used to have, we used to have five people doing the newsletters and then we like, then the pandemic hit and then we still have those people, but they don't have the time to do the newsletter anymore. So that was just the one newsletter. But like we started the, the New York newsletter uh, in part because I had the theory that there were people in Los Angeles who looked for their performing arts information fully from their New York friends. They set their watch by what was going on in the New York Times, what was happening in New York, and what their New York friends thought was interesting. And that if we had a New York newsletter, we would have people's New York friends being like, hey, have you heard of this immersive stuff to their LA friends? And then their LA friends would come and find us. And and that, about two years after we did the New York, someone at, at an event or something like, oh, yeah, you know, like I found you because my friend was in New York and they told me about the LA newsletter. I was like, it worked. You know, like it's success. It was all worth it. Um, and, and the same is true, I think, for any place where this is going on, right? You know, the, and there's something of the uh, 
sometimes they feel ashamed. There's something of the Cambellian hero's journey. Sometimes that people got to go out, they got to leave where they are, <laughs> go somewhere else, i.e., crash with a friend, discover something. This is amazing, and then go like, "Gee, I wonder if we have that at home." Or they go like, "I'm going to bring that home," and then they come back like, "Oh, we had this. You know, we we had this at home. I just didn't look for it." Mm-hmm. Um, but that shifting in perspective is important, and so yeah. that's a long way of saying like, "Hey, if you've got friends in Austin." You should tell them about the Eureka Room. You should tell them about what Mike is doing, gathering folks for these meetings, and uh, and we can maybe help supercharge some of that. Yeah, action. I would love to, I would love to talk to more people, and we have a really really good group. I don't want to keep pushing the group, but I mean, it's free. Come on down, check. It I out. brought you on uh, to push the group, so I don't know yeah, why oh, yeah, you're yeah. worried about pushing the yeah. group. We meet. We <laughs> we we started meeting. We were meeting at the Eureka Room. We outgrew that. We're now meeting at the Alamo uh, Draft House. Cinema's uh, headquarters. It's a really cool room in this old high school that they have uh, renovated and uh, generously lend us for the meetings. Uh, so yeah, come check it out. Uh, Rad. Well, Mike, thank you for hopping on the show. Thank you for telling us about the Eureka Room and roadside attractions <laughs> and this this theme park in Japan, which I've already yes. texted Thank to a you. friend who Thank likes you. going to Japan uh, yeah. and and which will be in the show notes. And Thank you. I, I want to say thank you for uh, for No Persenium, the website. Oh. I uh, got my first some of my first and best uh, in, in visitors. You know, there's a lot of people on there. Like I, I a friend recommended it to me. I, I reached out. They generous and uh, posted about the Eureka Room on there. I even had a Q&A. It helped me get my first visitors, super helpful. You know, they're very encouraging. Uh, and I just want to say to your listeners that this happens when you contribute to the Patreon. It helps this happen. It, it's not just the podcast. I'm sorry. I know. Yeah. I, I know I'm sorry. Your listeners can't see, but you're blushing. But I wanted to say this. I want I think it's really important. It's not just keeping the podcast alive. It helps people like me who are trying to do a little thing, get people connected to me. And that's really been helpful. And I, uh, I, uh, I'm a Patreon member now. You can do it for as little as five dollars a month. All right, that's the ad. Sorry, sorry, Noah. I just, I just felt really like I should do that. So. No, I appreciate. I really do. I, I do. I do appreciate it. I, you know, I, I think a lot of people know how embarrassed I am by like the the whole nature of it all. But um, thank you, Mike. Um, thank it, you, Noah. It, it means I, a lot, and and it's good to hear that. Like you know, we particularly because. You know, we never know who's reading or listening or finding or searching and, you know, whatever we can do to send people people's way. And, and, and then when they find something that's good and they connect and, and, and then they like it and then they come back to us and let us know. And, and we're, we're always on the lookout for, for all of that. And I would say just everybody who's listening and kind of, we've got a fair number of the backers here. I think the, the even more important thing is you might think we are omniscient when it comes to this stuff and we're not, we really rely upon, you know, all of our team members, but also the community to like come up and say, Hey, there's a thing going on in Peoria. Uh, or my friend heard about this. Like we, we need that more than anything. Um, Cause that's the only way we're going to help people build audiences. That's the only way we're going to keep this going and, and make it so that this work isn't just about the gigantic attractions, the theme parks and, and things that we love and that we're glad that exist. Uh, and that, and that we, we wish nothing but health and more of, but it's, it's the small work. It's, it's the people experimenting. It's the connections that are being made at the edge of those big, big cultural you know, boulders. I couldn't come up with a better metaphor. Uh, that uh, that make make this more than some giant project of capital. It, it makes it a culture, and and that's why that's why we're in it. So, well said. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you, yeah. man. So, all right. I'll catch you soon. I hope. All right. Great. <laughs> Once again, I want to thank Mike for being our guest on the show this week. Check the show notes 
for the link to the Eureka Room in Austin, along with more of what we talked about and everything I talked about at the top of the show. Um, Speaking of one of the things I talked about at the top of the show, uh, everything immersive this week, it is back. Uh, This is an experiment we're going to run for the next month and change. I've got a little bit of travel happening at the end of September. I might, maybe I'll, maybe I'll dive into that in a second. Uh, so I got a little bit of travel uh, happening at the end of September. So we might miss the last issue cause I leave on a Wednesday and this thing comes out on a Thursday, but maybe also <laughs> maybe I'll work ahead. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a struggle. Um, also on, uh, well, anyway, no, oh my God, that's, that's too negative. But the point is, uh, this experiment of ours, uh, we're using LinkedIn's, um, posting ability, like the ability to format a whole, whole post and putting it there and, and, and I'm putting it on everything immersive itself. Um, this, this was conceived as a LinkedIn first, uh, skew for us. Um, because look, uh, we're as much as we're anything, we're also kind of a, a bit of a trade rag. Um, it's, it's not, what we necessarily set out to do, but our big event is an industry facing event and, uh, industry and professional whatnot is what LinkedIn is 24 seven. So us not having a robust presence there doesn't make sense. Uh, and one of the best ways to have a robust presence is to leverage every tool that thing has. So, uh, we're putting this thing out at least for the next five, six weeks. And, uh, if it does well and connects us to new people and brings in new readers, new listeners, new subscribers, most importantly, then we're going to keep on making it. And if it's a whole lot of effort and it doesn't get us (laughs) move the needle at all, then we'll do something else. But there's one way to make this successful. And that is if you're on LinkedIn for any reason, please, Follow no proscenium there and share the LinkedIn version of everything immersive this week. It's going to help us out a lot. I know it's ridiculous, but here's the pledge. I'm going to make that thing as good as we can. It's going to be this mix of industry news, show announcements, opinion pieces, things that make you think and things you want to know about. And also for some folks, things are trying to get out into the world. So there's instructions in there on how to reach out to us. If there's things you think are, should make it into the roundup. Of course, people are already pitching us things. Um, my recommendation is always make the pitching tight. Uh, someone dropped off like four paragraphs and I'm like, I, I have 300 emails a day. I'm not going to read four paragraphs cold. So keep, keep a short link, a couple of lines of text, uh, and then you're good to go. Uh, if my eyes start glazing over while I'm looking at an email, I'm probably not going to get to it for like another week. Um, that is the nature of my brain. So EI this week on LinkedIn, spread the news. Literally it's news. So spread it. Uh, <laughs> it helps out a lot. We want to grow, 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 uh, in, in a natural organic way through the sweat of our brow and through what we sow. Um, I mentioned, uh, for a hot second that, uh, I'm going to be, uh, out of the, out, uh, <laughs> the dimension is going to be out of the country, but I am going to be out of the country. Um, a couple of months ago, Melinda Lau of Whisper Lodge, uh, reached out. Melinda's, uh, from Singapore and is in Singapore, uh, these days. And, uh, the company she works with lucid is doing a, um, they're, they're doing a, a convening, uh, they're doing a gathering in Singapore. Uh, and, uh, I'm going to be one of the speakers out there. Uh, Vince Cadillac of Meow Wolf's also going to be one of, uh, one of the keynote speakers. Uh, so it'll be fun to, to catch up with Vince in Singapore. And, um, yeah, they're, they're beaming me out, uh, by which I mean, it's a 17 hour flight. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> I gotta charge my switch. Um, oh, that reminds me, I gotta charge Oh, sorry. I gotta, I gotta charge the iPad for my mom. Um, just remember, I was like, oh, I gotta do that right now. I gotta get off this thing and, and charge some electronics. 
anyway, the point is, uh, I'll be giving a talk out there. And uh, if you happen to be in Singapore uh, or, uh, or, or want to know, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I think the links are up for that event. Uh, and uh, I'm going to dig those up and put those in the show notes as well. So uh, that also means that last week of September, um, there'll either be some delays or guest hosts or some early content never a repeat uh but uh might be shorter form while we get things out but we've got weeks to go before that happens and i have a whole adjusting to teaching at cal arts thing um you know in the interim as well which reminds me i gotta do my paperwork uh which has come through uh which is great so that's it for me right now oh but also none of this is an excuse for anyone to (laughs) to stop being a backer. We're still getting by, by the skin of our teeth. And I still got to pay taxes in October. So, uh, please do not interpret this as like, Oh no, it's a big success. Now I can pull my $5. Oh, for the love of God. No, please don't. Uh, then I, then I'll, I don't know how I'm going to do any of this and also like work at target. So, uh, just know like that is still where we are. Um, okay. On that note, that so cheery note let's do the credits the associate producer of the podcast is parker sella music for no proscenium is by chris porter of the speakeasy society and solar the podcast special thanks to shivano lachlan for voicing our intro the no proscenium podcast is written edited hosted produced and mixed by yours truly i'm noah nelson and until next time i'll see you at the show